0: So your Bible's turn to Philippians 2.12, a few things about preservation, title of the message. Philippians 2.12, Work for my beloved, as ye have always obeyed, not as in my present only, but now much more in my absent, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. Let's pray together, please. Heavenly Father, do thank Thee and praise Thee for all Thy blessings You give us in Christ Jesus. How that the Spirit leads us, directs us, and guides us, and on the right trail. And You cause everything to go in the way that It pleases Thee. And although we don't see Your hand at work often, we know that uh, Thou' directing our ever path. Those men saved by Thy amazing grace. We just pray that You would bless us and that we realize, O oh Lord, that we're in Your hands all the time, not just part of the time, and that you cause us to persevere until the end. We just thank thee for thy blessings, have mercy upon those without Christ, and that it might be pleasing thy sight to save them. In Jesus' name we pray these things for his sake. Amen. This is part of the divine preservation. Uh, When we make preserves, we uh, do so that we can have them later. You don't do it so that you can open up the jar the next day and have them. You make them so that you can have them next year. And if things go well, maybe even a couple of years. We, when I was a kid, that we <clears throat> we made all kinds of preserves and and uh, down the basement where we kept them. We just have the shelves full of green beans and corn and and uh, preserves of all kinds and uh, or local fruit, of course, but. Is for a purpose. It's for the end. And if everything goes well and it's done correctly, uh, then it'll last. If it's not done right and not done correctly, it might be poison instead of, if you will, something good to eat. <clears throat> and the jars have to be sterilized. Have to get kill the bacteria. Heat up the fruit and uh, that it's changed and that it's cooked enough that the bacteria is dead and the jars are sterilized and the seal and all that seems to be good that you're using and put on the cap and, and then you have preserves. You have whatever you can for the next winter, next uh, summer or spring. And, and so uh, this is what preserves are. And God has preserves us in Christ Jesus. The Holy Spirit cleans us up. <clears throat> cleans up our heart, and we speak of the new man that we have. The old man is passed away, done away with. We're to follow the new man, not the old man. And and the and the difference between the way we did and the way that God does. Uh, once the Holy Spirit has preserved you, you're preserved forever. <clears throat> and you don't have to worry about somewhere down the line the seal's going to break, or it's got a faulty seal, or whatever the whatever might cause the problem. And so when we're preserved by God, we're preserved until the end. So God's preservation causes us to persevere. And if we persevere, then we know that God is preserving us. If we don't persevere until the end, it's because we were never preserved by the Spirit of God. The Holy Spirit cleans us up, as I mentioned, and puts the precious Word of God in us and perfects and, if you will, it preserves if uh, the Holy Spirit is the seal of it, that's the reason it never can break and never can be done away with. Once you're sealed by the Spirit of God, uh, there is no force in heaven or hell that can remove you from uh, God's perseverance, preservation. And so we are in the new birth; He preserves them unto the end. And ye shall be hated of all men for My name's sake but he that endureth until the end shall be saved, Matthew ten twenty two. And the only way you can endure until the end is if God has preserved you. There's no other way that you can do it. You can strive it, and we see some with the work salvation, and and they're always struggling with this. I, I've told probably this before, but there was a holiness preacher that uh, God had... Uh, <coughs> Had brought into our ranks, and he was a Baptist. at The time I heard him preach, but, and he said, uh, "You don't know how it feels like to go to bed at night and wonder if you're still going to be saved in the morning." And of course, we all laughed. You know, I mean, all of us there. And he said, <clears throat> "He said you wouldn't be laughing if you really believed it—that you could be saved tonight and wake up in the morning and lose your salvation and something you've done." And and that's one of the things God used uh, cause him to seek through the scriptures about uh, once saved always saved as He called it. And the point I'm making is we're blessed that we know we are saved, sealed, and that seal is the Spirit of God, and we'll persevere until the end. And so the doctor once saved always saved. Sometime we belittle it, look down on it, but it is precious doctrine because it's true. And many, though, that preach it, they say, well, you shouldn't preach that. And because you preach that, they'll feel like it leads to loose living and ungodly conduct. Uh, Nevertheless, it's a wonderful truth uh, that if God saves you, you're saved forever. You cannot wiggle out. You cannot... and there's no power. And somebody said, "Well, you could get do. You know, you could get out of God's hand. You can't. Once God puts you in His hand, you can't get out, even if you wanted to. I don't know if anybody would want to. But we have this great assurance that we can't accidentally, or on purpose, the devil can't take us out of His hand. And there's no power that can remove us uh, from the blessed hope that we have." In Christ Jesus, what does God uh, preservation per, <clears throat> preservation preserve God is in his providence preserves his word in our faith there in first Peter first Peter one five <clears throat> who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation ready to be revealed at the last time and of course. <clears throat> This is a kinward passage to what we uh, read in our Philippians. And so we're kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed for the last time. That final salvation when you get the glorified body. That final salvation is when you pass from this earth and go into the next. And, and we have that assurance that we are going there. As a lot of people that are Christians don't have that assurance. I mean... Literally, they don't know for sure if they're going to make it. And I and it's, I've, uh, heard the dear lady; she would say, "Well, I'm hoping I'm going to make it." She kept saying, "I'm hoping I'm going to make it." And then when I went to hospital and and she was near death, and she was talking about how glorious it's going to be. And so you don't have to be uh, <clears throat> lost or have a bad uh, uh, religion or anything. I mean. She was a Baptist, but she said, I'm hoping I'm saved. Uh, but those last hours, she had this great assurance that she was going to see the Lord just shortly. And, and the point I'm making, no matter if we doubt, no matter if others doubt, that doesn't matter. If you're saved by God's amazing grace, you're going to make it for sure. <clears throat> uh, a growing history among evangelicals uh, our growing Harris, I should have said, and 26% in 2022, up from 10% from 2016, <clears throat> the Bible, like all sacred writings, contains helpful account of ancient myths, but it's not literally true. In the United States that, in that year, it was 53% of adults believed that. <clears throat> and one of the things that God has preserved is His Word. And if His Word is not preserved, you don't know if you have salvation. Uh, sometime I maybe get too far down the line speaking about the Word of God, but let me say, if we do not have the Word of God, uh, then we have no hope. If God hadn't preserved His Word, if He hadn't, if you will, caused it to come down through all these ages and translations and whatever you want to think of that this interfered, with the Word of God, uh, then you have no hope of salvation. This is the reason that we see such looseness and such bad doctrine in many churches today is because they really don't think they have the Word of God. And so when they see hear the preacher say, thus saith the Lord, they say, well, maybe, maybe not. Because <laughs> they don't have the assurance that it is the Word of God. I cringe when someone will say the flood myth, or a particular doctrine, a passage is taken from a pagan literature and myths. <clears throat> and uh, when I was in school, I don't know if they still teach it or not, but uh, they showed how <clears throat> from the time of the flood until this time, <clears throat> the people that were closest to Mount Iraq, their false religion, and, and, I, and all of these were pagan religions they looking at, and the closer they was to that, the closer their tales and myths and stories and coincide with the Bible. But the further they were from that, then the the worse it was. And then in time, when they started adding other gods to their belief system, then it got worse. And so there are, our myths as taken from the Word of God is absolutely true. And it is that... They started from a foundation that God is the only God, and most ancient religion only had one God, even though it might have been an idol, it might have been a bull, it might have been a person, it might have been anything, but most of them had one God. And then later on, they started adding the fire God and wind God and star gods and so on and so forth. And <clears throat> so the Word of God, if you will, is the original. And it is where we put our faith and trust in. And yes, I mentioned every time you must compare Scripture with Scripture. Because you can take one Scripture and you can make it say almost anything you want to. I mean, it's just like the Judaizers went out teaching <laughs> you must be baptized to be saved. Now, the next verse clearly shows that Paul was if you will, fighting that doctrine. But if you just took that one verse and said, you know, why well, you have to be baptized to be saved and said it right here. But it was a Judaizer saying it. it wasn't God's man. It wasn't the prophets of God. And this is how sometime scripture taken out of context and made a doctrine, if you will, almost like it's the Bible on one verse. Then there are the battles of the original language. I mean, experts over the meaning of the word, uh, our words, we get doctors like A, pre, mid, historical, trips, uh, and meals. Are God saves? No, it's partnership, salvation. No, you save yourself. Assurance, no assurance, universal, local church, Saturday, Sunday. And each one of them has got their own scholars. And each one of them will go to the Greek and say, this says this, or a Hebrew says that. And, and as they do that, they say, well, see? And we say, well, this is where some people say, well, <clears throat> the Word of God then is flexible. It's not. If you don't believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, you're going to perish. You can be baptized a hundred times. A thousand times. They didn't baptize anybody that didn't make a profession of faith. Those that turned from wickedness unto God that would confess their sins, John the Baptist you know refused to uh, baptize those Pharisees as we mentioned last Sunday or Sunday before because they didn't have evidence of their repentance, and some would think that paul I mean that John the Baptist kept them from heaven if you have to have baptism to be saved and put into heaven, then John blocked their way. He refused to baptize them, but that's not the point of that passage. The point of that passage is that those that come to God, they have fruit of their repentance. They have evidence that they've been saved by God's amazing grace. They show forth, if you will, that change that's in their life. All the above and multiple other scripture passages Uh, that are backed by scholars, interpretations of the scripture, original language, linguistics, and uh, you just, uh, nomination, just think of all the different denominations we have, and each one's got their own scholars. And the bigger denomination, they got their own schools, and they're teaching all these different things, and again, they're backed up by their interpretation of the scripture. We believe in the priesthood of the believer, there in Ephesians 5 9, starting there. For the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness and righteousness and truth, proving what is acceptable unto the Lord. Have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them, for it is shame to even speak of those things which are done of them in secret. Now, you say, well, does it have to do with preservation the Scripture and the Word of God? <clears throat> the basis of knowing what, so, if something's heresy or not is the Word of God. Yeah. It don't matter how you feel, how I feel, how we think, how foolish they are, and so on and so forth. The evidence that something is not <clears throat> the Word of truth is by the Word of God any kind of heresy that comes down the road. And yes, they use Scripture to back up what they're saying, but that's when I, I always say you back up Scripture with Scripture. And when you put it together, you say, well, this is a lie. But the only way that you can know something's a lie is if you have the Word of God. Now, I can't go back when John was writing the Gospel of John. I wasn't there when Moses... Uh, wrote the books. I wasn't there in Ezra and and uh, and where he wrote Nehemiah and and, and all the other scriptures that had contributed to Ezra. I, I wasn't there. All I have is this right here. Now, did God pre- <laughs> preserve this? Is it a faithful translation? Somebody said, "Well, it's got this many errors. Got this, you know." and they, this word means that. about half of what people complain about is because this is a British translation. That's the reason our neighbors have U in it. And that's the reason, somebody said, well, this is old writings. You go to Canada and see how they write neighbor. You'll see that it's got a U in it. And the point I'm making is we have to know what kind of translation we have. It's British. God's used it for these many centuries in America. He started churches with them. Saved, <clears throat> souls have been saved. And people have sent missionaries to foreign fields. And what they was brought up on was this. <clears throat> and so you say, well, at the Anon, we don't even know what Anon is. Well, you can look at them in the dictionary and it says soon. <clears throat> and it say archaic. So British don't use that anymore. But the point I'm making is that we have to know what we have. And then when we read it, then we know better how to interpret it. And yes, we do interpret it by the aid of the Holy Spirit. And that's the reason we can say, once saved, always saved. You can't find a verse in the Bible that says that. But you have plenty of evidence that that's true. And even the verses we read today, so far, it shows, if you will, that once you are in the hands of God, you're there forever. <clears throat> we think about <clears throat> there in Ephesians, as we read five, nine, and twelve. And let me read that again: For the fruit of the spirit is in all goodness and righteousness and truth, <clears throat> proving that which is what is acceptable unto the Lord, and have no. Up- Fellowship with the unfruitful words of works of darkness, but yet rather reprove them, for it is a shame even to speak of those things that are done and done of them in secret. And the point I'm making: there's fruitful, and there's unfruitful. And the and the fruit of the spirit is all goodness and righteousness and truth. If it's not, if you will, good. If it's not right, and if it's not the truth, then it's not the word of God. <clears throat> and 1 Peter 2:9, ye are all, you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people, that you should show forth the praises of Him who hath called you out of darkness and <clears throat> his marvelous light. So Psalm says you can't really know what the Bible says. <clears throat> That you should show forth the praises of Him who called you out of darkness into His marvelous light, <clears throat> and it is that bears witness in our hearts the Spirit of truth, Romans eight sixteen. The Spirit itself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. So if the Holy Spirit doesn't tell you you're His, then you're not. You say, was well, that an audible voice? No. Now some people say that they heard an audible voice, and I'm not going to argue with them, that's between them and the Lord, <clears throat> but it is the revelation of God in your heart. He comes in a new birth. And it's such a drastic change that when God saves us, and <clears throat> that we know something massive that's happened in our life, and it don't end. And one of the ways you know it, you go out to sin, a sin that you already been doing, and, and, and all of a sudden you feel guilty. And before, you didn't feel guilty. You thought, well, this is, you know, this is way of life. This Everybody does this. There's nothing wrong in that. And all of a sudden, it's no longer right. And this is one of the ways that we know we have been changed from darkness into light <clears throat> because we do not, if you will, love the things that we used to love. We did not desire to do the things that we used to do. And we feel guilty, and I'm talking about real guilt, when we've gone against what we know to be the truth of God. And these are all evidence that God is is preserving you, and the Spirit of truth has sealed you. Therein, God preserved the new man by power through his providence. Therein, 2 Corinthians 4.16 For the which cause we faint not, but though our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding an eternal weight of glory, while we, not, <laughs> while we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. So it tells me a child of God can know the difference between the temporal and the eternal. And this is, when we talk about the new birth sometime. Everybody, somebody will say, well, everything happens new birth. Well, some things happen over time. <clears throat> I've always said, but, I, but you may have disagree with this, but I, I've always said if God had shown us all of our sins, <clears throat> the night that He saved us or the day that He saved you, that we'd be overwhelmed. He shows us those things that are needful to convict us, convince us and convict us of our sins. He shows us the relief, the Lord Jesus Christ, The you overcome with guilt, and when you repent and turn to God, it's released, done away with. I mean, that's far, part of the rejoicing in salvation is that here you're brought to a low low. <clears throat> the Spirit of God just revealed to you that you're a wicked person. And especially if you thought you was a pretty good guy or a pretty good gal. You think you're pretty good and all of a sudden you feel like you're the worst sinner on earth. And then you call upon the Lord and it's gone. Cleared! And and to me, that's a hallelujah time. And then, little by little, the Lord reveals other things we need to take care of. Now, we don't have that same experience we had the first time God relieved us of our sins. But there is a refreshing, a cleansing of the conscience, and, we will a cleansing of the mind when we repent of those sins that the Spirit of God brings before us and that we take care of. <clears throat> We're thinking about, <clears throat> excuse me, that God preserves His people as, as a people, there in ephesians Ephesians 2:19 <clears throat> now therefore you are no more strangers and foreigners but fellow citizens with the saints of the household of God and are built upon the foundation of the apostles prophets Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone in whom all the building, fitted, excuse me, fitly framed together, groweth into a holy temple of the Lord. In whom ye also are built together for the habitation of God through the Spirit. So we know that then we have uh, the Spirit, and God is working, and if you will, part of the temple, and we. And this is where we have a lot of disagreement sometimes what this temple is talking about. But we know for sure that it's talking about the inner man in our heart where the spirit takes up residence. What is God's purpose in preserving his saints? Purpose is holiness. 1 Peter 1, 15 and 16, But as ye have been, which hath called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation, because it is written, Be ye holy, for I am holy one desires of a new Christian to be holy. And and I've mentioned that several times I've reached what I thought was sinless perfection. I mean, I was just about as perfect as can be until the Lord would. And it'd be something that would probably be obvious to everybody around me was sin, but I didn't see it until the Spirit of God kind of say, what about this? And, and so the... Uh, that when we think about how God deals with it, it's over a period of time. And the shame of it is that it will continue as long as we live on this earth. Right. As holy priests and are called to have a holy life, 2 Peter three eleven, seeing then that the, all these things shall be dissolved, what manner of person ought you to be in all holy conversation and godliness? There's nothing on this earth that's going to be preserved. Only thing that's on this earth, about this earth, and around this earth, that's going to be preserved is the saints of God. But nothing else is. The automobile's not going to be there. You're not going to, if you will, be able to take gold with you. So, well, I got a lot of gold in the bank, and I'm going to take it with me. And you just can't take it with you. It's of the earth, earthy. And those things of the earth are earthy. And that's the reason we got to have a new body because this thing is of the earth. And so we must shed it before we go into glory. And so we lay this body down in death or, if you will, in the rapture. And we're <clears throat> skirted off. And it says the angels come and took Lazarus un- <clears throat> unto Abraham's bosom. or And, of course, we know that and that 's in glory now in second Peter, I mean second Corinthians, where Paul speaks about they went to paradise to the third heaven, and we 're not going to get into that, but say that 's where we 'll be going. So you leave here you 're there now, whether we have a big escort or not, we could argue about that, but nonetheless, the things you have with you are not going if you've got a pocket full of money. When they come and find you, that body will still have a pocket full of money. But you won't be there. In the rapture, they all have different scenarios, and we're not going to get into different scenarios, but just to say, they're not going to take it with them either. And The difference is they'll be changed in a twinkling of an eye. And we'll be changed when the rapture happens if we're not in it. 1 John 3, 3, And every man that hath his hope in him hopeth, purifieth himself, even as is pure. This is part of the sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit. If you have no desire for holiness, you don't know him. Holy Spirit is in you all the time, working, and if you will, uh, 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 confronting us, aiding us, comforting us rebuking us in the, in the way that we would produce holiness, godliness, and, if you will, be an example of a believer. God preserves us with a new spirit and heart, which are incorruptible. 1 Peter 3, 4, But let it be the hidden man of the heart, in which is not corruptible, even the ornament of a meek and quiet spirit, which is in the sight of God of great price." This old man can't make it. The new man can because God has perfected it. There's no place in the Bible where it speaks about being sanctified. And I'm talking about original sanctification. Again and again and again. We're sanctified in our life. We're sanctified in the as we grow in wisdom and knowledge of the truth. But when God set that new man aside, He was set aside forevermore. Colossians 3.10 and have put on the new man, which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him. And so here again, you have the image of Christ, the Spirit of God within us. Second Corinthians 1.22 has also sealed us and given us the earnest of the Spirit in our hearts. And so we're sealed by the Holy Spirit. Let me tell you, sin can't enter in there. Somebody says, well, you can do this, that, and the other. Let me say to you, if, if it was possible, then you could be lost. It's impossible. <clears throat> we are at war with the flesh continually, day in and day out, from daylight to dark and sometime all night long, but <clears throat> that which God has put in us. <clears throat> it contends to be faithful unto God, no matter how, what kind of mental things we think of or what kind of things the, old, the flesh gets into, we're still sealed and set apart unto God. And John fifteen three and through 5, Now ye are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. Abide in me, and I in you, and as a branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine, no more can ye except you abide in me. I am the vine, ye are the branches, and he that abideth in me, and I in him. The same bringeth forth much fruit, for without me you can do nothing. Verse 16, You have not chosen me, but I have chosen you, and ordain you that you should go and bring forth fruit, and that your fruit should remain, and that whatsoever you shall ask of the Father in my name, he may give it to you. God, through providence, preserves us. <clears throat> God has ordained us to walk in good works, as it mentioned in Ephesians. Here it mentions also that <clears throat> it, 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 how God has ordained us that we should bring forth fruit. And that fruit, of course, is godliness. <clears throat> how does God perfect and preserve us in holiness? In Philippians 2.13, God works in the believer. Look there real quick. And for it is God which worketh in you, both the will and the do of his good pleasure. <clears throat> he didn't say that he worked, but that he worked. It is a continual process where God purifies us, opens our understanding to his word. If you've been saved for a time, you can think of when you was young in the faith and some of the silly things you felt the scriptures meant, that they didn't, <coughs> and that you... Uh, <coughs> Uh, you would have different ideals of what you could and couldn't do, and that then it seemed all right, and later on it wasn't all right at all. And then some things we think we couldn't do, that as we grow in faith, wisdom, and knowledge, that we can do. And so God uses His Word to perfect His saints, and in providence brings them uh, to contact with the needed Word. Sometimes we forget and we pray to God for understanding, He's going to get it to us. Sometimes it's not a lightning bolt. Sometimes it's not, you know, somebody just whispering in the ear. Sometimes you just get up and all of a sudden you know it. Other times, I talked about one time uh, <coughs> uh, on a passage and I was just having trouble. I just couldn't get it together in my mind and that went on for a couple of years. I just almost forgot about it. I was at a conference. A preacher said something from the Scripture, and explained it, and that answered my question. And the point I'm making, God uses His Word. It might be the Spirit of God whispering in our ear at night, as it speaks of in Isaiah. It might be, if you will, as you study the Scripture, all of a sudden it's open to you. It might be as you read a track or something, it opens to you, or commentary or whatever God uses. But God is in the background answering our prayers and those things that we seek and desire to know. God reveals it to us in very sundry ways. You cannot say this is the way God does it. You cannot say, well, you go to sleep at night and wake up the next morning, you know it. Now, that can happen. Because when you get up the next morning, you figure it out. But really, it's the Spirit of God figured out in your mind. But normally, God uses other means. Sometimes it doesn't have to be spiritual; it is something that we come in contact with and relate it to what God, what we're looking for, and the answer that God has for us. And God and people reveal their salvation, thereby preservation through their perseverance. If you don't persevere, then you're not preserved. Some believe God is preserving the rebellious, God-hating, and church-hating. Uh, preachers, hating, or so-called saints. Well, they are reserved, but it's for the lake of fire. But they're not being preserved as the saints of God are here. God moves on our will that we do His will. And Psalms 110, 3, first part, Thy people shall be willing in the day of thy power. When the Spirit of God comes upon him, when the power of God comes upon us, He starts to work. And it's going to be going on as long as you're here. It's new construction. Yeah. I was thinking about it. I was told by my granddad in a covered wagon. He had a pot stove in it <coughs> and tell the WPA put in bridges and different things like that. That's the only way you'd get back there was a, ho- with a horse and a wagon. <coughs> and... And after the W A went in there, and they started making some changes, but some places they couldn't, but the Holy Spirit is working like that. Continually. And we might be in the horse and buggy days, or we might be in the vehicle days spiritually, but God is working and moving us to that direction. Worship becomes a pretense. Mark 7, 7, However, in vain do they worship me, teaching for doctrines the commandments of men. This is the most dangerous thing that a church can get into. Uh, if you do not have the true Word of God, you, cannot ne- you can never worship God in spirit and in truth. And if all you have is the doctrine and commandments of men, not the commandments of God, then you cannot persevere. You cannot uh, go on, if you will, and, and, and follow God as you ought to. Uh, it is, if you will, impossible. A child of God is tied to the Word. Reason that pr- uh, memorization is good is because sometimes you don't have this. Sometimes you need to call on your memory of what God says in certain situations to do what God has called us to do. Worship becomes a pretense, as we mentioned. God preserves His spiritual people, not fleshly-driven people. <clears throat> and God's warning in Ephesians four thirty. And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby you are sealed until the day of redemption. God preserves His own, but He also chastens them. <clears throat> and the one the ways that He chastens them, First Corinthians eleven. I know it's a familiar passage. I hope to all of us and <clears throat> thirty. Now, in their church, you know they was getting drunk at the Lord's Supper. They had, uh, when Jesus initiated the Lord's Supper, they was at a meal. And they were, after the end of the meal, uh, they would have the Lord's Supper or pass the remembrance of Lord Jesus Christ. And during this feast sometime, they get drunk. And when they took the Lord's Supper, they were already drunk some of them and, and of course they drank from the cup they would be you know they would drink more than they should but mostly is because of the dinner before they would feast and so therefore <laughs> the scripture speaks of it as they's corrupting the lord's supper they were not discerning the body and the blood of the lord <clears throat> so it says uh, for this cause, many are weak and sickly among you, and many sleep for if you would judge your, or, or if, if we should would judge ourselves, we should not be judged, but when we are judged, we are <coughs> chastened of the Lord, that we should not be condemned with the world. What does that mean? Well, some of these people, there were Christians getting drunk in the, in the feast and not discerning the blood and body of the Lord Jesus Christ, they died. Now, some are just sickly. And some, if you will, they was on the sickbed and then they died. You say, what's that? That's the chastening of the Lord. But it's also the perseverance of the saints and the preservation of the Lord. And you say, what do you mean by that? If they kept on down that road, they would lose their salvation. You're one of his. He's not, you're not going to lose it. Whatever it takes, and God will do in your life that you be preserved. In the case here, as they are blaspheming really at the Lord's table, <clears throat> some of them, they, if you, I would think, first of all, the ringleaders, and then those that was drawn in after it, got sick, and they died. And the truth of the matter is, you cannot send your way out of heaven. God will take you first. I mean, I don't think that's the way we want to get. It's, it's about like going in by the fire. When God says He's going to keep you and preserve you, He's going to do it. And if you get, if you're His, now, if you can go out and do all the things you want to, as the old saying goes, then... God doesn't bother you at all, then you don't have to worry about dying to go to heaven because you're not going. <clears throat> but if you, uh, if you, if you will, that the Holy Spirit's grieved within your heart, you know it. When the Spirit of God's grieved, somebody says, Well, how would you know you grieved the Holy Spirit? It's the most miserable thing you'll ever experience in your life. And it's nothing you can do physically because it's all spiritual. And when you grade the Holy Spirit, then it's not, you know, jumping around and having a good time and all this, that, and the other. Let me say, it's miserable. And the point I'm making is, is that God will preserve you. God preserve all that He saves. Jude says, the servant of Jesus Christ, the brother of James, to them that are sanctified by God the Father and preserved in Jesus Christ and called. Evidence of preservation is godliness and holiness. Hebrews 12, 14, follow peace with, with all men and holiness without which no man shall see the Lord. The Word of God says in Philippians, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. That's the first part of our text. What does it mean, work it out? Spirit says go here, you go there. You sit down you don't know something. You ask God and God will show it to you. And if the Spirit says do this, that, or the other and you rebel then you're going to be chastened. It's just like uh, going to school. That's the way Hebrews 12th chapter uh, pictures it. There's two chastisements there. One is being taught as a teacher. We teach the children. And sometimes you've got to do a little corporal punishment. That's exactly the way the Spirit of God does us. And And as we progress, if you will, in our path before God, then God works in us that which we work out. And so we work out your own salvation, fear, and trembling. You just will follow and obey God. If you tell me to do something I know is wrong, and you're a preacher or you're a deacon or you're somebody special, and I do what you said, I be chasing for it. Because I knew that it was wrong, this presumptuous sin. And so the point I'm making is nobody can override the Bible. <clears throat> do you have a no so salvation or a hope so salvation? James sums it up this message For the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. Preservation will always have perseverance.